In the Now, Episode 5. Today we talk about electric vehicles and electricity. Many states and countries are requiring an end to non-electric vehicles by the 2030s, and our current electric grids may not be up to the challenge. What is happening now to prepare for this challenge? Stay tuned. This show is brought to you by Steel Now. Steel Now takes the pain out of buying metal, whether you've been buying for 20 years or you are new to metal purchasing. It's a difficult process no matter what your expertise, and Steel Now works with our network of over 60 suppliers to get you a fair price and a lead time that fits your project. So visit SteelNow.com today. Now podcast. I am your host, Tony, joined always by my co-host, Jonathan. This week, we do not have a guest, so we're just going to be chatting. Am I right, Jonathan? You are right. This week, we wanted to talk about electric vehicles. This is, I mean, Jonathan and I were kind of texting each other earlier, and it just turned into this crazy, like, but what about this, bro? What about this? Imagine the possibilities. And we thought we'd just uh, we'll bring it to the show because it's fun stuff. I'm assuming the bro is directed at me, but I'm going to try not to be. Offended. Neither of us are big in saying bro. <laughs> like when I'm imitating somebody, I have to go over the top. And I just, you look like the guy. If you saw yes, his picture from our email or blog post on the steel Now website, you'll know he looks like he says bro a lot, but he really doesn't. Yeah. I don't know, bro. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So we were going to get into electric vehicles. Um, this is kind of one of those things where, there's states like California and New Mexico, where I live, where they're saying there, we do not allow you to sell gas vehicles after 2035. Everything mm. needs to go electric. Right. Yep. And so that's part of it. And then there's other countries that are also doing the same 2035. How about 2030? How about we mm-hmm. beat you by five years and no gas until like, so yeah. this is, this is a growing trend worldwide, regardless of how you feel about it. It is a trend that's happening. And we wanted to kind of talk about what that means. So I was looking at this article uh, from the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas there in Texas, and they're talking about renewable energy is on the rise in Texas and traditional energy, coal, gas is on the, the decline. Right. And then paired with what happened in Dallas last year with the snowstorm and then the rolling blackouts. One of the guys that works at Steel Now, he sent me a picture during that where his his apartment was 32 degrees inside. It's like, that's yeah. pretty cold. That's not a good thing, right? You live that's through in, it. That's insane. It's, it's not comfortable at all. So basically what this uh, Dallas Fed is saying is that the, in the last 10 years, the growth for power generation has all come from wind and solar and very little growth in gas, coal, and nuclear, um, and that of the gas, coal, and nuclear, it's becoming more expensive because it requires more maintenance. And while that used to be where there, this was your backup, if you needed more power, you could just burn some more coal or burn some more gas. Because these places are starting to need more maintenance and they're putting so much money towards the renewables, they are not able to keep up with the demand the same way. So when you talk about electric vehicles becoming this standard thing, 
We have to mm-hmm. also think about how that's going to affect the electricity grid. And I think these two whatevers, these two industries, they're just not communicating with each other or nobody really cares to ask the question if there's enough electricity to be charging every vehicle being an electric vehicle. But let's get into that. I mean, what, what were you reading about this morning, Jonathan, with electric vehicles? Yeah, just just kind of looking into it was a thought that you and I had and just looking into the the future of electric vehicles, right? I feel like as years go on, it's becoming a, a more common topic and more hot topic. Um, everyone is looking towards the coveted Teslas. They become more price friendly. Uh, people are considering whether if you should get one or not, right? Because there are certain things like tax breaks where you can, if a, and there is a part to it. If you have bought a car that hasn't sold more than 200,000 models of that vehicle or that brand, you get like a, in Texas, is like a $7,000 tax break. So, you know, the, the government is offering some incentives. So that's interesting towards that push. But similar to what you were saying before, I mean, you know, they're pushing it pretty hard. They're looking to try and stop the sale of, gas-powered engines in 2035, which really seems like it could be far away, but it's really not if you think about it. I mean, you have kids, Tony, your kids might not be driving gas-powered engines by the time they get on the road. That's not no. true, Jonathan. I have, no? I have a 2009 Honda Accord that's all beat up with hail damage that's just waiting for my son to come of age to drive it. There you go. I mean, I don't think that I don't think it'll be banned on the road, but I mean, you know, you read too by 2050, they're hoping to just ban gas-powered engines completely. So it's really interesting because there's a lot that goes into it, right? There's there's pros and cons. I mean, looking into the availability of charging stations, looking into how costly they are right now. I mean, not everyone can just go out and buy a $50,000 Tesla. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see as it progresses along. And there's more that I read on also about just, you know, is it going to offer more range or is it is it going to be something that you can portably charge? There's a lot going on. So it's really interesting and exciting uh, topic. So on a global scale right now, 2.2% of vehicles are electric cars, which is pretty high considering mm-hmm. this is a fairly emerging industry. But it says yep. this uh, statistic from 2018 says one in 250 cars on the road is electric. Now, yep. if you were to make if you were to make it half of them, right? Half of the cars on the road are electric. That's a huge demand for electricity on a regular basis. And I certainly can't imagine that the infrastructure that's currently set up for electricity production could handle that if we just switched switched to electric tomorrow, right? Yep. And so then it turns into, okay, well, we have to figure out a way to generate more electricity overall. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because every, I mean, these cars are being charged overnight. They're being charged at work. They're being charged on road trips at stations everywhere. So constant energy being used to keep these cars going. So then it turns into the same kind of problem we've always had with electrical grids. And that is there's no way to store power for excess use, especially with the renewables, right? It's not windy all the time, but it's windy sometimes. And we want to be able to store the energy while we're not using it. And same with the sun's not always out, but when it is out, we want to save some of that energy for later. And so this is where battery storage, large battery plants comes into play. You know, Tesla's got the house, the Tesla battery pack that will power your house for a few hours if there's a power outage, things like that, where you're generating electricity and you're actually storing it. But the top technology to make batteries right now is using lithium. And lithium is an expensive freaking metal. And because it's in everything right now, it's in every cell phone, it's in every computer, it's in all these new hot flashy devices have a lithium battery in them. So 
then it begs the question, do we have enough lithium to really provide storage for all the electricity that's going to be needed? All of this talk, though, about needing batteries and electricity, we need lots of lithium in the current technology set, but there's probably not enough lithium or we're not mining enough of it. You know, most of the lithium that's used right now comes from Australia and Chile. Those are your top producers of lithium and they have lithium mining. Australia mines ore and then Chile I guess they have some process to take it out of brine in certain underground lakes that are salty. Yeah, salt deserts. Yeah. And so those are your two top exporters of lithium. But will we have enough to keep up with demand for all these batteries? And that's that's where I always ponder. Yeah, especially because, like you said, it's really in everything and technology is ever growing. So it seems like every year we have more and more that are being used, whether it's in cars phones and all that, every, every technology we think of. So uh, it looks like from the locations that you were talking about, there are, there looks like there's enough reserves to be pulled from, but how long is that going to last as a question or, or, you know, with the reusableness of it. Again, if, if one in 250 cars right now on the road Mm -hmm. are electric and we're supposed to make that hundred percent in the next 20 years, that's a whole lot of lithium. Yeah. Not to mention, if we're going to be increasing renewable energies like solar and wind, then we need to be able to store that energy that's wasted instead of overproducing and not just having that stuff waste out and go to the ground. So we need batteries to store the grid as well if we're going with renewables versus the traditional, right? Because we can't just spin up wind at three in the morning when there's high demand randomly, right? We can't just ask for wind. We can't just ask for the sun to come out. That's where we start burning stuff, right? Yep. So... We need to store energy more efficiently and we need a lot of lithium for these. But in the future, there's this cool material called graphene. Now, graphene is carbon nanotubes in a specific hexagon pattern at the atomic level that is supposed to be stronger than steel, more conductive than gold, and ability to store power. You can actually buy like a graphene battery pack a portable battery for charging your phone on the go for like 60 bucks today. And it's supposed to be able to charge your phone in like 15 minutes. It's like some crazy thing. This is the first kind of two market thing for graphene as far as being a battery. The problem is that it's incredibly expensive to produce graphene right now. And we need to be able to produce it in mass scale the way we do lithium. So if that problem gets solved, then maybe you could have these crazy batteries all over the place. You can have all these electric cars with graphene batteries where charging is quick and we have plenty of room to store it and it just works just fine. But I feel like there's those two kind of problems as far as having enough power and wanting to go full electricity, they're on two different timelines. Does that make sense? For sure, yeah. And you have one timeline of, we need to get off of these fossil fuels by 2035. And the other timeline of, We'll really need to invent the next wave of battery technology as well as energy storage and energy production technology for the other to even be possible. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Yes. So what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like you said, I think it's two worlds that either haven't connected or have a lot to work on. Obviously, I feel like a plan when it's being made is is very proactive, exciting, and everybody's full-fledged running towards that plan. But I, it seems like what we've been reading on and what we know is there's there's a lot more involved 
than just going, Hey, we're going to full, we're going to go full electric. And like you said, there, there's other things that maybe we can consider with the graphene. See if that's something, it's something that looks pretty cool. I mean, they can 3d print out of it. They just don't have a lot of it and it's light, it's conductive. I mean, and if they can find another resource like that, um, it's doable. And, and the lithium issue as well. I mean, it looks like there's enough lithium to go for a while. Um, and it is recyclable despite I've read that it's kind of a rough process to recycle, but um, I guess we're more so thinking, you know, 2050 when probably all vehicles are electric, um, how sustainable is it to continue to power them and keep making them and keep up with the ongoing products like cell phones and all that, that also use those materials. How much of a bummer would it have been this last winter if the power went off and you had an electric car that needed a charge? Yeah, that's something I mean, that's, to consider. That's terrifying, right? Yeah. They, that kind of takes away some independence. Yeah, I mean, this sounds a little, I don't know if it's, I don't want to say old school or, or maybe traditional, but we, my wife and I have even talked about, you know, we should keep a gas-powered vehicle, even if we go electric, because the fact of it is I can just fill up a couple five-gallon tanks, put it in my garage, and we'll be ready to go if stuff hits the fan. Um, in an electric car, I mean, it's really hard to do that. A lot of those outside of maybe one Volkswagen model that I've seen take uh, certain charging ports and they draw a lot of energy and you can't just charge them with a generator. You can't just charge them with like a battery pack. I mean, it's going to take a lot more. So yeah, in emergency situations, that's kind of pressing as well, right? Like in Texas, we have hurricanes, we have tornadoes, we have now snowstorms, kind of weird. (laughs) But I mean, in those instances, you need a way to get around. And if we go full electric, Imagine just being locked down entirely, technology-wise, transportation-wise, everything. Right. And and where that takes us kind of now is if we are going to be living in the electric future, then I assume we're going to have to figure out this battery storage on a large scale. We're going to have to solve that solution, whether it's Tesla giant battery centers um, or each house has its own backup battery pack or whatever. Um, we're going to have to figure that one out. And we're also going to have to make sure while we're sitting here trying to be more sustainable and renewable, that everything that supports that is also sustainable and renewable. And we find carbon anywhere, right? Carbon oh, is yeah. very, very easy to find. It's not going anywhere for a long time. Yeah. And, and then another thing is a lot of the asteroids, big old hunks of carbon, which goes back into the space economy where we're going to start harvesting the asteroids, which maybe we'll find a lithium one. Who knows? But that is something that has been suggested for many years is can we capture an asteroid and bring it to Earth's orbit to mine it, which would be awesome. So you're saying we need to make a big Gundam suit and just catch asteroids in space? Exactly what we need to do. Catch them physically with your two hands. Just grab this big (laughs) 300 foot by 300 foot asteroid in there and slow it down with with your uh, rocket powered boots. It is. I mean, so, I mean, really what you're talking about is is with the batteries is like you kind of commented on the Tesla battery backup. I think I I believe I know someone that has one of my buddies. He's a realtor and his uh, father-in-law actually has them. I mean, that those things run great and they're powerful. And then when power goes out, he has no problems. But I guess we're, we're looking into, can we use those for the whole Texas grid? You know, can we make batteries massive enough where they can sustain a whole grid or even at least an area? 
until things get back up and running. Back to the Dallas Fed article. I mean, they do mention that Texas, I'll, I'll just read from this article, Texas is approaching the limits of the current generating mix. If it has not already reached them, the grid is increasingly reliant on intermittent renewable generation as questions arise about how much thermal capacity is actually available to cover unexpected shortfalls, all while electricity demand increases. One improvement would be expanding utility scale battery storage for wind and solar facilities. Only 853 megawatts of battery capacity exists in Texas today. Such storage is designed to help meet demand for just one or two hours, usually during peak hours when renewable resources are lacking, though 2,400 megawatts of capacity is scheduled by 2024, equivalent to one quarter of the current reserve margin. More will be needed. Battery storage installation costs an average of one and a half million per megawatt. So it's very expensive to have these giant batteries. It's not practical unless you've got it down to where you're you're getting a lot more bang for your buck and that stuff doesn't last forever i mean you've seen a lithium-ion battery in your phone how long does your phone actually have a full charge that sees the same from when you bought it to when you get rid of it it's like two years yeah no you're right i mean in my process of looking into an electric vehicle which is i don't know if they're gonna hopefully eventually they're able to figure this out but i read that even electric vehicles lose two percent of their power or their battery capability every year so if you think about 10 years down the road you've lost 20 percent of your battery on a car i mean that's a bit worrisome and then you have to think about battery replacement so on and so forth so uh, now you got new batteries we need more batteries and this is exactly i think you need a technology breakthrough similar to graphene if you're going to actually have this amount of electricity being used you know that's my opinion whatevs i'm here i'm here for it yeah, and it's kind of interesting too for the and the reason you know we we bring these topics up is because they all somehow have to do with the metal industry that which we deal with, right? So automotive is huge in the metal industry, um, anything that has to do with metals. Um, so it'll be interesting how that shifts towards the demand of, of metal. But like you said, if we go carbon, where carbon is a main necessity, eventually carbon is very is plentiful. It can be mined. They've already learned how to do that well. Um, but if not, then might be changing the name of the company to Graphene now. In 10 years. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, we could 3D print with some stuff that 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 material looks really interesting. If anybody ever looks it up. Yeah. G-R-A-P-H-E-N-E for anyone curious about Graphene. What people think that it could do is amazing, but it probably won't do half that much stuff. But somebody <laughs> won a Nobel Prize for it. It's worth looking into um, if they could figure out how to make it mass producible, then we'd be in pretty good shape with this electricity thing. But until then, you know, we're going to keep working in today's world and maybe consider the future of electric cars affecting you. One last thing to consider, you know, as far as replacing lithium ion batteries with something like graphene and pricing of some of our precious metals and things that we use here at Steel Now, nickel is found in lithium ion batteries. And the more we need lithium ion batteries, the more nickel we're gonna use. Stainless steel requires nickel. So how much actual nickel goes into a lithium ion battery? I think Jonathan has that pulled up. Yep, so for a single car lithium ion battery pack, uh, it contains eight kilograms of lithium, 35 kilograms of nickel. I'm gonna go through all of it just so we have an idea. Uh, 20 kilograms of manganese, uh, 14 kilograms of cobalt. So if we do move beyond the lithium ion battery to something like a great graphene battery, we could we could expect stainless steel prices to go down. So everybody would be happy about that because then your refrigerator's cheaper, washing machine's cheaper, although they could be made out of graphene anyway. We'll see. 
Graphene's the future. Woo. Looks cool. I think that's all for today, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening. One more reminder, make sure you go onto iTunes, leave a five-star review. Um, if you leave a review, we will be picking one lucky person to win the guitar pick, the extra heavy silver guitar pick, 92.5% silver. It's cool. It's heavy metal and it's everything we're about. So make sure to go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. And thank you so much for listening. <laughs>